Jason Nicosia and Kat. It's been a while since we last recorded an episode, so tune in to hear what you expect us to discuss. Including the cyber's problem, local politics on both sides of the divide, the regional politics, the ISMET issue, the global politics, and all other boring stuff. And some optimistic news. And some not very optimistic news. Welcome to Nicosia Ankat. Hello, Andromahi. Hello, Kemal. It's, it's been, been a, a long time. <laughs> yes, it's been a long time that we couldn't record one episode, but we also, for the first time, after a very long time, meeting face to face instead of doing it through some kind of an online app. We are in the middle of Nicosia, so you can hear um, the sounds of Nicosia, of the, the people passing by, or even uh, Muezzin or the Hoja doing the prayer and all this kind of, or, or the bells. And things have been piled up. There are so many things to discuss. Maybe we should start with the state of play. And what else? Well, I think let's discuss a bit, yeah, the state of play. Let's talk a bit about uh, the East Med uh, situation and what's happening there. Upcoming elections as well. And uh, maybe a bit of local politics in the end. I think so. I think it's a good wrap up. I think uh, it's been almost uh, more than well, maybe what, one and a half months, two months since our last episode. And um, talking about the state of play, of course, we are talking about the Cyprus problem. Come on, let's just take a, a minute deep here. Breath. A deep breath. and say that basically nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to tell you that the fact that we are still talking about the Cyprus problem is also um, quite surprising for many people. Because in the minds and the hearts of many people, I think it doesn't exist. Or I think in the minds and hearts of our politicians, even, um, it seems that it does not exist. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't have its uh, effects and symptoms and, and side issues. And uh, repercussions and the ways in which it exhibits itself, like we're going to see when we discuss about the Eastern Mediterranean and everything that's happening there. Well, currently we know that the Turkish and the Turkish Cypriot side, uh, they're saying that they are in favor of uh, a, a two-state solution, which is not going to be accepted by anybody. Mr. Anastasiades seems to be defending a federal solution. Um, Suddenly. <laughs> He says so, but again, um, like uh, every time we get into the details and then he comes out with some alternative scenarios every now and then. In the last episode, we suddenly realized that he was talking about returning back to 1960 Republic and we don't really know what it really means. Yeah, so interestingly, after that, he came out and insisted that uh, the uh, his proposal for a return to the 1960s constitution stands, but that this is in line with the uh, relevant Security Council resolutions. And then he said the incredible, in my opinion, in an interview on CYBC on uh, to journalist Andreas Kimitris, he said, yeah, but no, political equality has its limits. It, it cannot turn into political inequality. And he basically, once again, rejected the positive uh, vote by the Turkish Cypriots uh, in the Minister's Council. So... It's it's like if we are at this stage in which the Republic of Cyprus president feels comfortable enough to be claiming that he wants a return to negotiations from where they were left off in Grand Montana. He's claiming that he's supported by Zonarbe Communal Federation according to the resolutions and everything. But when you get to specific, as you said, 
he doesn't, this does not really stand. And why is Anastasia able to do this? Well, in my opinion, he is enabled by the stance of Ersin Tatar as well, because when you've got the other party that overwhelmingly rejects the resolutions and the United Nations uh, Secretary General's reports, then Anastasia is comfortable in having this sort of uh, not very clear uh, stance, but it's the other guy that uh, gets to get of all course. the accusations. Why should I be blamed when the other side is openly um, challenging the United Nations resolutions and the general agreement since, uh, you know, like uh, since 1977, to say the least? So basically, uh, we are at this stage where um, somebody needs to take an initiative if there is going to be some sort of a a solution to the Cyprus problem, which I don't think is going to be the case as long as the Turkish slash Turkish Cypriot side insists on the two-state solution. Having said that, however, um, I think the UN tried a few times um, recently to to start the process. I think the extent of the deadlock can be seen by the fact that since the meeting between the leaders and the United Nations Secretary General uh, in New York towards the end of September, there has been talk of a joint statement following the meeting, and there has not been a statement since. And each side obviously tries to uh, put the blame on the other side, claiming that the other side is the intransigent one, and that is the reason uh, why a statement cannot be made. But regardless of these things that will not matter in a few months' time, the issue is that there is a deadlock. And the issue is that things are not going anywhere. There has not even been an agreement as to whether the Secretary General will appoint a new special envoy, special representative, personal envoy, personal representative. (laughs) So now we are fighting over this. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's all stupid. Let's be honest. I mean, it's very clear that the side's positions are not bridgeable. One side says that they want a two-state solution. The other one, once the other side claims that they want a federal solution, but, you know, all of his practices and, you know, little words here and there prove that he is not really into the equality of the, the other side. So how it's going to be possible? The only way, of course, is for the international community is to really say that you guys, you know, you, you just cannot do this. I mean, you have to find the solution because it affects the, the regional and international issues. And uh, knowing that, of course, uh, Turkey is now, uh, of course, um, trying to use Cyprus in its own dealings with the other players, the global players. So this is this is where we are. I mean, we, we can talk more about when we come to the regional politics and, and global politics and how the players are actually using Cyprus problem or not even using the Cyprus problem or just uh, keeping their positions uh, because they have other dealings and bargains that are taking place or not taking place. Um, Yes, and um, in fact, I think it is safe to say that at the moment we are in an election process and uh, uh, in an election period, basically. And one could easily say that there's very rarely a time in Cyprus that there is not uh, an election. Because it's either Turkish election, Turkish Cypriot elections, the Republic of Cyprus elections, blah, 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 blah. There is no end to this. (laughs) 
And uh, what, what are we have in front of us? We, we, we have, I don't know, the Greek Cypriots, I, I think they've got their eyes set for the elections. My personal opinion is that even, I don't know if you're aware, the local administration elections that were supposed to take place in December 2021, they have been postponed for at least two and a half years. Because they of will- COVID. No, in fact, it's not because of, of COVID. The claim by the government is that uh, they needed to get the approval in the parliament for the postponement because they are trying to pass some reforms according to the oh. Cyprus um, reform and resilience plan, which has to do with the local administration. And uh, basically they said that they didn't want to get into the trouble of electing new uh, municipal leaders Uh, since um, the reform will in any way take place. For some reason, they managed to get a majority in the parliament for this. And so the uh, municipal elections will now take place on the same day with the upcoming, with the next uh, uh, European parliament elections, which is, I think, in two and a half uh, years. But the issue here, Kemal, is that my personal opinion is that the reason why this happened is because the, the parties are not ready to face yet another election. Okay. Uh, I believe that they chose to focus on the presidential elections rather than go through an election Which period. Which will take that place. The elections for the Republic of Cyprus president will take place in February 2023. Yes, Kemal, we still have another one and a half years of Anastasiadis. Face it. <laughs> um, we also have Turkish elections coming up in 2023. The elections in the Turkish Cypriot administration. Com- we have the parliamentary elections uh, and uh, for the Turkish Cypriot community. February? It's, we, we are still discussing it, probably in the first half of 2022. Meaning that we have multiple elections coming up and everybody is so busy, especially in the north, everybody's now busy with UBP's internal election, the leading right-wing party, the biggest party in the Turkish Cypriot parliament. And uh, they are trying to choose their own leader and everybody. So it's like, you know, nobody's really worried about Cyprus problem. And I think when it comes to the global politics and the regional politics, it seems that uh, Mr. Erdogan is also having some sort of a difficulty trying to play a role moving from the U.S. to Russia and from Russia to to U.S. And then I think um, he's losing credibility and uh, I think he's finding himself in a difficult situation because especially the Biden administration is not very happy with Mr. Erdogan and then with all their deeds and statements, they are making it very clear. What can I say? And then they're now going back to Russia and then Russians are also not doing well with the Turkish administration, especially in Syria, and economy is not doing well either. And all of this is taking place in a setting in which we are basically waiting for the U.S. to decide what it wants to do with Turkey. So there is this discomfort and there is this uneasiness, but I think that the U.S. is still not clear on how it is willing to approach uh, Turkey. And My opinion is that the Afghanistan uh, situation delayed a decision by the U.S. as to how, and it's not only about Turkey, it is, it's got to do with a more general outlook as to how the U.S. will approach the issue of the Eastern Mediterranean. Having said that, I need to say that the Republic of Cyprus has been 
suggesting for a long time now that they are trying to prepare uh, the ground for a meeting between President Anastasiadis and uh, the U.S. President um, Joe Biden. Well, I don't know how that meeting will go because from what is being reported in the local media, Biden was behind a lot of energy deals that actually took place in the um, waters of uh, Cyprus, for instance, the involvement of ExxonMobil in the Cyprus exclusive economic zone is reportedly thanks to the intervention of Joe Biden when he thought that he had a, a sort of an understanding with Anastasiadis about solving the Cyprus problem and proceeding with the explorations. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how that will turn out. On the other hand, Turkey is trying to mend its relations with Israel and with Egypt, with the regional powers, trying to, you know, counterbalance Cyprus's initiatives in the area. And, um, you know, on the other hand, uh, I think I have a feeling that the Biden administration wants to wait for Mr. Erdogan to lose the elections in 2023. I think this is their plan. They don't say it out loud. And until that time, they are not doing anything stupid that will isolate Turkey completely. But at least I think they will just keep Turkey at bay until the elections. I think at the moment, this is the biggest question mark. I think this actually makes sense. The question is, will he lose the elections? I have been following it very closely. There there have been many uh, rumors about um, his health. Probably you even read it, right? I think it was in the Foreign Policy yes. uh, magazine. And um, yes, we all know that his health is not necessarily uh, very good. Um, the fact that recently, I think it's just a week ago or something, he started posing pictures of him playing basketball and things like that is just an obvious um, you know, proof of that. I think it's basically a PR disaster. Of If you post pictures, not the videos, the pictures of a leader playing basketball, it means one thing, <laughs> that he's not actually, you know, able to play basketball. So um, we know that the his opposition is, is successful in keeping their alliance against him. We have the center-left JHP, Kemalist, traditional. And then we have the right-wing um, good party, as we call it. They were split from the Turkish uh, nationalists. And, um, you know, the economy is not doing well. And probably if things go in this speed, in this direction, he might lose the elections. It's going to be interesting to see. And I think we're going to have a lot to discuss about the uh, repercussions regarding Cyprus. Of course, Tadar will still be there, but we know... Uh, Tatar doesn't have the potential to be able to produce uh, an independent autonomous policies. However, he's employed Dengtash's former assistants, advisors, and uh, Ergun Olgun and uh, Osman Ertu are the two veteran uh, advisors who've been shaping the policies of, you know, pre-Talat um, period. So um, they also work with Errol at, at times. So, but again, I don't think that Tatar has the ability. Tatar is more involved with the local politics at the moment, trying to, you know, control the party politics of UBP. And JTP, uh, the Turkish Cypriot uh, left, is not necessarily creating an alternative force. They, they constantly criticize, but they don't offer any, any solution, unfortunately. I so, think it's the we'll same see. with um, Anastasiadis and the opposition that he receives. Um, I think sadly, Akel does not have the strength to oppose Anastasiadis' um, 
strongly. Um, oh, they did, um, we need to mention this, they did this march uh, in favor of solution and reunification a week ago uh, that in fact, there was a lot of people, which was not expected. It was a holiday weekend as well, and the, uh, I, w- I was reading reports of close to 5,000 people, which is a lot of people for uh, Cyprus standards. And th- that was a positive sign that uh, the church bells that we were talking okay. about, that was a positive sign uh, for uh, f- for all those who still believe in the prospect of a solution. But at the same time, it is evident that the Anastasiadis government is no longer interested um, in appealing to this audience. Well, I think the fact that there is no pressing pressing issue for the sides to focus their efforts on the Cyprus problem means that they need to keep themselves <laughs> busy with other stuff. Nikose Ankat, ladies and gentlemen, this is the only pro- program where you can hear church bells and uh, Hoja Muezin uh, doing the prayer <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> Yet it's, it is still a divided uh, capital and it seems that unfortunately it will continue to stay so for some more time. Having said that, however, we finally have our crossings back. Mm-hmm. And not only, we now have uh, crossings with uh, only vaccination cards for the locals, which is a very positive development. I remember how difficult for us to be able to get, you know, the size to work on some sort of a deal for the crossings. But unfortunately, on the other hand, after the COVID pandemic, we now have double um, checkpoints on both sides of the crossing points, which is really a sad development. Before there were not very uh, strict uh, controls on the Greek Cypriot side. Now that they have means that um, it might be even more problematic in certain um, certain crossing points, especially we have been hearing rumors about Derinia recently that uh, the, the officers were not necessarily very kind to the people who are trying to, to cross. You know, at the end of the day, as long as we continue to have the Cyprus problem, these things continue to become a problem. It, doesn't mean that we need to forgive them for their uh, for the fact that they are creating this kind of problems, but um, th- this is this is this is Cyprus. And uh, you know, Kemal, and since you mentioned the crossings and uh, us struggling to keep them open, I remembered back in February 2020 when we were protesting against the unilateral decision by the Republic of Cyprus government to close the crossing point. I remember I was invited uh, on Alpha TV to give our approach. And um, I remember mentioning there that the people that were protesting on the Turkish Cypriot side are all those people that are fighting against the interference of Turkey in the in the Turkish Cypriot affairs and in the affairs of Cyprus. And I, I explicitly mentioned that the people who received the pepper spray from the Republic of Cyprus authorities during the protests are those people that have been working together with Greek Cypriots towards the vision of a united Cyprus and towards the supposed end goal of the Republic of Cyprus government as well. The Republic of Cyprus government fails to acknowledge this. It fails to acknowledge the fact that uh, unless Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots come together, uh, they will never be able to oppose outside interference on the island. The point is that there are many Turkish Cypriots who are actually trying their way 
out out of this situation for a solution and then there are those who are actually uh, finding themselves uh, sandwiched tossed between uh, two not welcoming uh, authoritarian um, some authoritarian some less some populist depends on how you define a uh, regime sides but the point at the end of the day is that um, we need to realize that the turkish cypriots are also um, you know eu citizens we can be critical about this fact or not but they're um, the republic of cyprus citizens as well and many of us were born into this problem it wasn't our uh, choice at the end of the day we were trying to solve it the point here is that um, what are we going to do about it i mean yes there are outside powers yes there are those beyond our control um, those developments beyond our control but what are we going to do about it what the international community will do about it because it's not only our internal problem it affects everything in ismet um, what's the latest with the drillings <laughs> you tell us well regarding the ismet and the drillings i think we are heading towards a new period of tension in the waters of Cyprus. I think that uh, Turkey has made it clear. So um, the Republic of Cyprus has announced that uh, towards the end of November, beginning of uh, December, the ExxonMobil Qadar Petroleum drill ship will arrive to Cyprus and will start drilling in Block 10 in the internationally recognized exclusive economic zone of Cyprus. Uh, it is worth highlighting here that Block 10 does not fall within uh, the claims of either Turkey or of uh, the unrecognized Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. According to Turkey's perspective, Block 10 is basically, it should basically be granted to Egypt. So, we do not expect Turkey to interfere in the, in the drilling by Exxon, but I personally expect parallel drillings by Turkey in other blocks that belong to the internationally recognized um, exclusive economic zone of the Republic of Cyprus and that fall under the claims of Turkey for the Turkish Cypriots that will possibly be in Block 6, which is owned by a co- the consortium of Eni and Todal. Um, Eni and Todal are uh, allegedly going to start drilling in 2022. But what is most interesting here is that there is a shift in the Greek Cypriot press, and this shift has to do with the acknowledgement that Turkey will not stop. And up to now, there was this hype about the sanctions by the European Union. There was this hype that, you know, whatever Turkey is doing, the Republic of Cyprus continues. But now it is the first time that we see that there is this understanding that Turkey will not stop and that this will directly impact the Republic of Cyprus energy program. Having said that, it is also worth mentioning that there was a research vessel in the waters of uh, Greece and Cyprus uh, lately, uh, the research vessel Nautical Geo, which was performing service for the East Med pipeline, for the construction of the East Med pipeline. That uh, vessel was obstructed by Turkey and it now, it was now forced to return to the Larnaga port. And it is worth mentioning this because this shows that Turkey has is keen to prove that no development will take place in the Eastern Mediterranean regarding gas unless it is itself implicated or at least unless it is itself 
somehow um, consulted. We have been saying this for a very long time, uh, but now I think it is high time that people understood it, and I think that Turkey will make every means possible to make this clear. So we are indeed headed towards a period of tension, I believe, uh, in the Eastern Mediterranean, and this is something that... Uh, I don't know, the international community to which you often refer <laughs> need to consider it. Oh, <laughs> so I don't want to stay at the pessimistic approach. Um, we said after we announced what we were going to discuss, I remembered something groundbreaking that happened yesterday, and I think it is worth us mentioning it. So for the first time, a Cypriot theater group was awarded in theater, in a festival, in a theater festival in uh, Istanbul, and uh, the director of the play, Kostas Silvestros, and the two actors, the two main actors, they received the two leading awards, the two main actors uh, was one was a Greek Cypriot and the other was a Turkish Cypriot, Yorgos and Izel. And it was the first time that this happened. It was a play that actually took place, preparations for the play took place amidst the COVID pandemic. The play was performed at the terrace of, uh, of Home for Cooperation. I think it is highly symbolic and I, I honestly believe that the history of this island has been marked by the nationalists and by those who chose to impose their own agendas. And it is heartwarming to see how such actions that promote coexistence, peace, and collaboration have also some history to make. And uh, that was a groundbreaking Let's talk moment. a bit about uh, economy. I think... Uh, the fact that Turkish money is not doing well um, is affecting the Turkish Cypriot economy uh, very negatively. And uh, we are still uh, suffering from the um, effects of the, the COVID pandemic. We recently started to have students coming to the universities in the north. And um, also the tourism industry is has not fully recovered. And... Um, so I, I don't think that the Turkish Cypriots are doing well in that sense. But I also realize that the economy is not necessarily doing perfect in the Greek Cypriot community, still suffering the effect of the pandemic. SMEs are, are, are still uh, struggling. Everything is so expensive. I think that's the major issue at the yes. moment. And I'm surprised that nobody discusses. No, it is in the news, but there are many more aspects to be discussed about how the, the price of living is, has gone, has skyrocketed. Actually, I can give you a, a, like, I can give our listeners a real example. Me as a Turkish Cypriot crossing over after pandemic for the first time to the Greek Cypriot side, uh, to the south, and then, you know, Realizing how expensive things are, not only because of the um, the depreciation of the Turkish lira, but also in in the general terms, where we're really shocking. Like for example, with the money of a coffee that I, I pay in the south, I can buy three, four coffees or four coffees in the north. Just just a very simple example of, of things how things are, and this is actually making many Greek Cypriots coming over to. The crossover to shop in the north 
which also makes uh, the customs, the Republic of Cyprus customs, very un- upsetting, upset. And um, recently we have been hearing like every now and then they're squeezing the controls, increasing the the measures and making people wait at the crossing points, which are actually making people very upset. And, you know, it's sometimes they are making arbitrary decisions on the crossing points and people are fighting back and forth and there are long queues when they want to go over for a, weekend uh, retreat in the north and you know it's all very messy indeed and uh, in fact i expect that the issue of uh, of how expensive everything is will be a major issue in the 2023 elections uh, kemal nobody discusses the rents are up electricity prices are so high produce is very expensive as you said uh, i think we're only going to be seeing more of this backlash by the republic of cyprus authorities in the crossing points uh, the more people will be choosing a cheaper outlook for those who are interested in reading the good old book of uh, benefits of a solutional books or studies by fiona malon you can find them in multiple places including um prio Research Institute of Oslo. Um, yes, and uh, basically tells us that you know a, a solution would bring many economic benefits. Uh, it's so upsetting knowing that we can be in a better place, both socially and economically and culturally, and you know, in, living in a in a respectful country with you know jobs for anybody who wants to work decent and then make up a good living. Um, this is this is this is upsetting. Anyway, um, I think we are coming towards the end. Um, let's finish with something. <laughs> hey, let's mention <laughs> that uh, there was yet another report, the Pandora Papers this time. Oh and Cyprus, uh, we're not going to get into this, but I think that our listeners should know that we made a proud entry yet again. Mm. <laughs> our president is yet again mentioned, or if I am to be politically correct, uh, the law firm that he used to own, but now is owned by his daughters and still has his name, was once again implicated. Ah, so it's not owned by him. It means that uh, it's yeah, not there is no <laughs> There is no conflict of interest there. Don't you know? Uh, but what about the new Anfisipet? Any update on that? Uh, in fact, uh, I... We, we said goodbye to Miss Elizabeth <laughs> Speer last... <laughs> time and then I think she's still around because yeah. there's nobody to replace her Yeah. so it's like Cyprus once you're in you're never out I think there was a talk about a Canadian being chosen and accepted by the sides but there has been no development since right okay that's uh, Nikosi Ankat uh, after a long time um, we have reported many interesting developments not and many Optimistic development, not. But the most optimistic of it all is that we are together. We are sitting uh, across each other and we managed to do a podcast like this. Hopefully we'll have more podcasts um, in the Island Talks channel. For those who are listening to us through their podcast applications, we are part of the Island Talks initiative, which hosts multiple podcasts. You can reach us on islandtalks.fm. Hopefully, we'll have a new podcast in in different languages uh, in the upcoming uh, period. So, that's all from us. Perfect. Thank you very much, Kemal. Thank you, Andromahi Sophocleus. (laughs) 